What up, Long Beach? Welcome to your one and only source for Long Beach sports talk, Long Beach schools talk of all kinds. This is a very special uh, start of summer episode of What Up, Long Beach. Uh, I am going to be your host for the day, Mike Gardabasio. I'm joined by Tyler Hendrickson. Our usual host, JJ Fiddler, is enjoying the fruits of, of everyone's labor. <laughs> he's got a couple of days off and he's taking advantage. Um, but we've got a very special episode for you guys today. Um, as always, What Up Long Beach is brought to you as part of our partnership at the 562.org with the Long Beach Post, who've been the sponsor of uh, the 562 since its inception. We've been doing a ton of education coverage for them over the last year. Um, we've been talking to them. That's going to continue for the upcoming school year. So if you've been enjoying our school's coverage outside of sports, you are going to be getting more of that in the upcoming school year as well. Um, but before we get to our special interview with CIF Southern Section Commissioner Rob Wygod, uh, Tyler, how are you feeling as we start the summer off here? You know, I'm feeling all right, but I, I, I do want to ask a quick question before we get into my personal well-being. If yeah. you're, I, I'm no outdoorsman. But if you're enjoying the fruits, the fruits of your labor and your camping, yeah. maybe you shouldn't enjoy all the fruits. You know, you ha I don't know which berries are safe to eat. You know what I mean? And JJ, I don't know. JJ I, knows. JJ knows. See, he knows. I don't know. And yeah. that's the thing. That's why I'm like, ah, I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat the wrong blackberry and end up, you know, convulsing behind a tree. Um, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm obviously you and I both go camping by opening our bedroom windows. That's an outdoorsy experience for the for us. <laughs> yeah, my, my my idea of camping was outdoor dining, and I got tired after a year of the pandemic. Uh, it's like, oh my god, there's a breeze, and I'm eating chicken. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm feeling okay. I, I am a little bummed that I couldn't be there for the Long Beach party at uh, Bull Diamond at Blair Field with Millican Baseball winning uh, CIF championship, historic CIF championship for them. We'll, we'll talk more about it um, with our special guest, Rob Wygod, later in this episode. But, I, you know, I, I think I had a pretty good reason. I only didn't make it to the game because I had, uh, had surgery that morning, literally that morning. But I will say, now Milliken knows that they really earned it, and I wasn't just the good luck charm the whole way through the playoffs. You know what I mean? They had to grow, and I thought they were ready. You know, I felt like they were ready to prove that they didn't need me yeah. in and around the dugout to kind of, you know, help them through the playoffs. You know? You, you, were, the, you were the magic feather for Dumbo. That's what you're saying. And, and they've learned that they can fly without you. You know what? I've been Dumbo <laughs> enough times. It's fine being the feather, you know, <laughs> in that analogy. I'm okay with it. But yeah, um, what a great, what a great way to cap off a crappy year. You know, it just feels like we were just like one championship after another. Um, and I don't know, other areas probably didn't have that same <laughs> cherry on top the way Long Beach did. Sorry about it. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was nice. It was an uplifting, you know, way to exit the, uh, such a tumultuous year. And we were so tired that it was <laughs> nice to feel rewarded with some wins. Yeah, I think it was really special as well that, you know, Wilson won two CIF championships, Milliken won two CIF championships, Polly won two CIF championships, and the state SoCal regional for the girls basketball team. Like, all of those wins happened at home. Like, it was the most amazing thing, you know. Um, we got to see the Wilson boys volleyball team in the gym. Um, you know, you get to see uh, which like, when does that ever happen? You get to see the poly girls basketball team in the gym, the Millican baseball team won the championship at Blair. And it did feel like, uh, as you'll hear commissioner Wygod talk about in a couple of minutes, I, I don't know that, you know, the Millican baseball team is in 
this state SoCal regional this week. Um, they won via forfeit on Tuesday uh, in the first round, which is significant because it's the first ever, this is the first ever year for state baseball and softball playoffs. So Milliken is the first that goes down as the first win ever for a Long Beach team in the state baseball playoffs uh, with all the history we have in that sport here. Um, they'll be playing on Thursday. And then if they win on Thursday, they'll play on Saturday, but that game at Blair really felt like the spiritual end to the most trying school year that any of us, that any teacher, that any parent, that any kid, that any administrator, that anyone had been through. Um, and man, it just was, I was really bummed for you that you couldn't be there. You having driven all over Southern California to cover the Millican baseball team. Um, and I know that you were able to soak, soak some of that in, in the coverage, but it really was like, you know, I'm sitting in the press box. So I have the Eagles eye view of everything. Right. And I'm looking down the third baseline and I see my son, Vincent, sitting with his buddy Colin from his baseball team. They got the box right next to the dugout, next to Milliken's dugout, so they could feel like they were in the dugout. They're talking to JJ in between innings because JJ's filming from the dugout. I look up, I see your friend, longtime friend, my friend Davis Town, who's a coach with the, <laughs> with the Lakewood baseball team. Andy Hall, the Wilson coach, is working for the CIF in the other dugout. You continue to scan down. You see all these Millican alums, Mike Gallo, the Antonaris family, you know, the, the families of so many kids that we've covered. My wife's there with our kids. Eric Valenzuela, the Dirtbags coach, is there with his sons. Andy Fee was there. Our good friend Drew Ramos is there recruiting. Casey Crook from LBCC is there recruiting. I look over here. Our friends John and Chris Trevino are sitting there. They're playing with my kids when they're running around. I mean, it's just the whole thing was like, we all collectively made it through this together and we get to just watch Milliken do what they've done the whole playoffs and shut a team out for a CIF championship. <laughs> which, is, which is wild, you know, and, and we, we also want to give a special shout out uh, to, to Miles Patton for uh, committing to Long Beach State um, the next day, I believe, right after the championship. So what a weekend, <laughs> what a weekend for him. And he didn't even have to throw a pitch in the championship game and it was still a shutout. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a great get for, for Eric Brownsuela and Long Beach State as well. But uh, based, on, based on what we've seen, obviously it's a pretty good get for them. But how often, I mean, certainly not in our memory because we haven't covered a baseball championship since we've been doing this. But, I mean, and I, I texted to you guys after the game, you'd be hard-pressed to find another team that only allowed two runs in an entire playoff run. And they didn't get a bye. They played five games, and three of them were on the road, and they – they only allowed two runs did, did Milliken. And it's just, it, it's let, unbelievable. It's, it's let, crazy. Let me, let me contextualize it like this. Cause we don't have the full brackets for any of these other teams. And, it, and it, when, anytime you talk about history and especially with baseball and Long Beach, I'm going to contextualize that it's division three, right? Right. Lakewood, Wilson, Milliken, the Dan Peters champ. Those are division one. It's a different ball game in many regards, but not only Am I confident saying no other team had only allowed two runs during a whole playoff run? Milliken had never allowed less than two runs in a championship game. Right. Of all of the times they'd been to the championships, I believe six, six wins and five losses. They'd never, they'd never allowed less than two runs and they win two zero uh, in that game at Blair. And it, it just, it was, it was a special run through that playoffs. And I would like to add, the pitching was incredible. And especially you look at guys like Daniel Murillo and Cameron Sims, who were not being courted by the dirtbags, stepping up and, and having huge shut. I mean, those two dudes combined for a shutout in the CIF championship. 
but after the defense, doing it in the quarterfinals at Saugus as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The defense behind the pitching was incredible from start to finish throughout the whole playoffs. And I think consistently, if you watch the film, or even if you just watch our highlights, that's what you're seeing was the big difference between Milliken and these other schools was pretty much everyone else. I mean, we're in the quarterfinals at Saugus. You know, they were struggling to make some, some plays that Milliken made look very routine. They didn't look routine when other mm-hmm. players were making them. Arlington was by far the best team that Milliken had played in the playoffs um, from what I saw, but Hart was a little bit better making more of those plays. And then Arlington was the first one where it was like really the error there, which JJ could not get over while we were recording the the video, by the way, was that um, you get the scoring, you you get, you get runners at second and third and they didn't bring the infield in. So you have two hard hit balls to like third base shortstop and there's no play at home because they're lined up so deep that they didn't have the play. So that, that was driving JJ crazy. And he was like on the night of too, he's just like, what are they doing? Like, why would they not? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, they must've just assumed that they were going to score some runs and they were like, well, they, they don't have their ACE on the mound and we're going to figure it out and score some runs. But like you said, credit to, to Sims and Mario for being the dudes, you know, and it's, it's never one guy in, in a sport like baseball, you know, sometimes it is that way in basketball. Sometimes you just have the best player. Sometimes in lower division, even football, sometimes you have one special kid that can kind of carry you. But you see it in soccer and water polo. Sometimes the goalie gets hot, right? Mm-hmm. You make a run and you're absolutely right. I mean, even if they'd thrown a shutout, they still had to get hits. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it does take, you know, and obviously you can still hit in the lineup. Chase DeYoung did a lot of keeping Wilson in games during his career while hitting in the middle of the order. But, uh, but yeah, it is definitely difficult to do that. And you brought up a great point about it being division three. Enjoy those (laughs) opportunities when you get them, because Milliken will certainly not be a division three team next year. They will be moving up as, you know, to join the rest of the Moore league, but you know, that's a byproduct of, of struggling in the postseason. As we've talked about the last five years, Long Beach teams have, have had difficulty against, you know, more well-funded uh, programs, uh, you know, it's, we, we see it in a lot of different sports and, and baseball is no different, but it, it shows that when you get that opportunity to kind of be closer to the top of a division rather than bottom or middle of the pack uh, when you make your run you better finish it off because it is not going to be quite so easy next year even though the Rams do certainly have some intriguing talent coming back um, I talked about this with with uh, Commissioner Wygod in the press box at Blair um, he you know the point was made that some of the old timers have basically said to me the bad news is that the more league is in division three and my point to them has been the good news is it's a really good division three league right and if you look at resources and talent, it is a division three league. Like, and I, I don't mean that disparagingly at all. Go look at the division one CIF championship game. The more league used to be in those games. It's not that league at the moment, keeping the talent home as we're starting to see and which winning a championship at Blair is going to be helpful with starts to reverse that trend. I think that Millican team will be competitive in division two next year, especially if, they get the talent back that, you know, could be coming back. Um, that's exciting. What's exciting to me now is Lakewood got to win in division three this year. Polly was very competitive in division two before they ultimately lost to guard. We've seen Wilson make a CIF semifinal run in division three. So what I like about this is this is not a case of, as we have seen in some other sports um, where, for example, boys basketball in the more league, that was, it was a strong division one league for a long time. And now it's not really that competitive top to bottom, even in the lower divisions, you know, 
baseball, we're not looking at that as a case. We're looking at, hey, we used to have all the juice. The mm-hmm. juice has been spread around a little bit more. There's a lot of juice up in the Valley. There's some juice in the Inland Empire. But we've stabilized in this Division two, three area where the teams can still be really competitive. And I do take that. I honestly do take that as really good news. No, I'm, I'm with you in, in being optimistic about that. And it's like, that's so much more fun. Like all those moments that you described about seeing friends and family at that game and, and having a championship at Blair, isn't that, that's so much better than even a, you know, a second round exit in, in division one, you know, don't, don't, don't turn your nose up at it being division three, because yeah, they, they were very competitive and got the opportunity to make a run, but that team also genuinely improved and gelled in the playoffs to kind of make that run. But, you know, it, it, it does sort of come up to, to keeping the talent home. If a kid looks and thinks, do I want to be kind of a, you know, bench player, role player on a Trinity league team that's maybe going to lose in the first, second round of division one, or do I maybe stay at my home school? We might be division two, division three, but you know, if we get, you know, improve throughout the season, play well at the right time, maybe we will make a quarterfinal semifinal run, you know, at I'm Miles playing Pat- with my friends. Yeah, I'm having a blast. The dirtbags right. coaches coming to the games to look at us, right? All that. Yeah, because because Patton doesn't. Uh, he didn't commit after the first round. He didn't commit after the second round. You know what I mean? And so those offers wouldn't necessarily have been there. You got that extra opportunity to showcase your skills. If you're good, the coaches will find you. And yeah. then obviously having a teammate that's getting looked at, more guys end up getting looks. So yeah, I mean it's we. I mean I'm not going to tell you know individuals what to do or whatever but we like it when long beach kids stay at long beach schools we can we can say that comfortably well those are the schools we cover so it's uh right. I, we have a rooting interest in that obviously i'm not ashamed to say that and uh and yes 100 percent grass isn't always greener um the the one thing i'll say before you get to the ad read and then before we get to commissioner why god um we're going to be doing some year-end episodes i think in the next couple of weeks as we roll out our all city stuff so we'll be a little bit more reflective on the year as a whole then um but if you want this coverage to still exist, and we just had a board meeting where I was running down some of the stats. Over the last year, 1,023 stories on the website. That includes 174 videos, 145 photo galleries. If you want that in the fall of 2021 and into 2022, you need to step up and become a subscriber or someone who's financially supporting the nonprofit uh, of the 562.org. And I say that not just because I work there. If I leave, you need to support it so that Tyler and JJ and whoever else, if Tyler leaves, so that JJ and I, you know, whatever it is, this website and its nonprofit uh, board is the sports coverage in Long Beach right now. Um, and I think you saw that through all of the great championship moments we were able to put down, but also through covering badminton league championships, tennis league championships, go- video highlights of golf championships, things that other people really are not covering. We're trying to cover comprehensively, and we want to be able to do even more of that. Um, but I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, the 562 is here to stay. This is, you know, easy peasy. It's great that these guys are around. The moment we're not financially supported, none of us are doing this as volunteers. So as much fun as we have, it is a full-time job. Uh, and we do support a number of freelancers who've contributed to that coverage over this crazy last three months. So please go to the 562.org, click subscribe in the top right, or click support which you see linked in every single story that we put up, that's going to show you a way to make a one-time donation um, or become a monthly contributor through the subscription, which we really appreciate people doing. And um, I think Tyler will probably have in the next week or two, a crowdfunding effort up that we'll be promoting more as well. 
but I really do want people to understand this was a really special spring and we want to be here. I mean, our plan is to be here for 30 more years, you know, covering these kind of special times. And uh, we need everyone's support if we're going to be able to do that. You know, let's face it. Your summer body just didn't come together. You know, it, it was tough during the pandemic. There were some workout warriors, but don't lie to yourself. You weren't one of them. So just take the summer off, head down to Naples Ribco and just give in to the barbecue, baby. Mike, I know you're going to be making plenty of trips down to Second Street and getting is some. This ad aimed at me and is the second person you in this? Is that me that you're talking to? Absolutely not. I'm just saying they may run into you because I know you're going to want to feed the fam. You know, you're going to want the kids to have barbecue sauce all over their face and the table. I certainly am looking forward to having plenty of Naples Ribco for our get togethers. You know, if we're having a strategy meeting, it just makes sense to do it over a hog pack. And, uh, you know, Naples Ribco, talk about someone that stepped up. You know, Dave Rossini down there has been a longtime supporter of everything we do and really the broader Long Beach sports community, such a valuable uh, part of the sports world here in Long Beach. So be sure to give back to the people who support the things that, that we care about and hopefully you care about too as a listener of this show. So head on down to Naples Ribco, uh, tip well, and let them know that the 562.org sent you down there. All right, we're joined by our guest for the week, CIF Southern Section Commissioner Rob Weigod, uh, possibly the only man in Southern California as uh, happy that summer is beginning as we are. Uh, Rob, welcome to the show. How, how are you doing? How's everyone in the staff? You guys feel like you came home from a, a <laughs> from a big battle or what? Well, thanks uh, for having me and uh, always enjoy being with you guys. And, you know, we certainly do feel a sense of uh, accomplishment and, and quite a a run that we've been on as a group and on our schools too. There was so much work that was being done uh, on our school campuses and with our athletic administrators and coaches and, and so forth. So, yeah, I think we all uh, knowing the ambitious plan that was in front of us to actually go through it and then see it completed uh, last Saturday night. You know, we all certainly do uh, take a deep breath and, and kind of uh, really feel good about how we could finish the school year based upon how we started it. Well, and it's nice to see you and your, your right-hand man, Tom Simmons, back in the office. How, how close to returning to normal are you guys now that you're back in your friendly confines and we're hopefully transitioning into a more normal athletic season in 21-22? Well, we do think so, Tyler. I think we uh, each day seem to bring another segment of, of a process towards more of the what we would call normal. So certainly being able to conduct all these championships and and actually finish up at a couple of venues. We, we weren't doing that up until we got to baseball and softball. We were able to, to have multiple games at the same venue. And, and just that was another step. And then uh, as I had put out uh, yesterday, you know, we really do expect that we'll have uh, a fairly normal start to the year. We expect fall, winter, and spring seasons of sport. We expect our calendars to start on time full regular season, section championships, regional and state championships. All of those, uh, you know, as I said, as I sit here today, I don't see any reason why we won't be ready to go full speed ahead as we get ready for August. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about what the year was like, as well as, you know, looking ahead to the future. But before that, um, I just wanted to reflect with you on what a special way it was to end the season for you guys and for us really at, at uh, you know, Bull Diamond at Blair Field. Milliken and, and Dan Peters and Ron Keeser, the whole crew, um, on what really felt like a special throwback Long Beach night to see Milliken win that championship. Um, you know, you obviously have a 
broader purview than just Long Beach, but you're also a Long Beach guy through and through. What, what was that night like for you? And, you know, were you sort of reflective of that as a special moment um, in this recovery that, hey, we got a couple thousand people together in Long Beach watching baseball, you know, must have been must have been an OK year. Oh, it was great. <laughs> and it was really a feel good moment for Long Beach. I, I, that was my feeling the entire night and and seeing so many uh, faces, you know, I, I'd coached at Lakewood and uh, we really had this great rivalry with Milliken. Dan Peters is really a good friend of mine and a great guy that I just love very dearly. And and so many of uh, I coached uh, Connie Mack baseball for several summers and we always had Milliken guys, uh, a bunch of them, including Ron Keister. So there were two summers that I had coached Ronnie and his wife was a student of mine at Lakewood and was my student aide also. And they, they were dating then. So uh, knowing his wife and, and so forth from back in those high school days and knowing Ronnie, who I just love the guy. He's great. He was great to coach uh, even from another school. And uh, so, yeah, to be there and see a bunch of the alumni and guys that had played against us and, and uh, but we knew each other and, like I said, it was a really good feel good moment to see the Long Beach community supporting him because it wasn't just Milliken. There were several of the other schools represented there with people supporting them. And so it was great. And, you know, from there, I mean, just everything we've been through uh, the next night, uh, I was at softball at Barber Park and I was trying to, to stay there till the end of the, the last game at Barber Park and then run over to Cal State Fullerton and catch the end of the Division One baseball game. And um it was about, you know, a quarter to nine and uh, it was zero, zero in the bottom of the ninth inning of the softball game. And this girl from Upland, it's a home run with two out and nobody on and wins the game one, nothing. So I run out, hand the plaques out. I'm in my car. I get to Fullerton about nine 30. I watch two of the uh, best division one baseball teams you're going to see uh, finish their game up. And um, you know, I, I, my usual comment in, in, in circumstances like that is uh I just said, you know, there are times that this job doesn't suck. And uh, and that's one of them because, I mean, just to, to be part of Friday night at Blair, you know, Saturday night at Barber Park and see a girl hit the ball over the fence against the Gatorade player of the year. Right. Who was Park, and then to jump in my car and 20 minutes later, see two of the best baseball teams you'll see, uh, you know, battling it out to the end of that one. And finally get home a little bit after midnight and realized, uh, you know, the year, the sports year, uh, it was finally over, but what a way to, what a way to go out. Yeah. Let, it, it ended me, okay. It ended yeah, okay. <laughs> it did. Let me, let me ask you a quick follow-up. Was there any putting of the fingers on the scale to make sure that Milliken was at Blair instead of Cal State Fullerton? I mean, how, how did, how did that end up working out so nicely for all of us? Well, we really, over the years, you know, we, we are sometimes at Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium. Sometimes we've been at Cal State Fullerton. This particular year was, it was a tremendous challenge without any venues allowing any kind of multiple game events. Uh, no venues were allowing it and the California Department of Public Health wasn't allowing it. And so we were really struggling because in the sports of baseball and softball, there is such a tradition of not playing at a school site and we were hoping there was a way to do it. So we originally were able to line up Cal State Fullerton and then we have always been at UC Riverside for years. And that's been because you know, we've got a, a lot of schools from that area. And in this particular year, you know, when I first got to Blair on Friday, it was Cajon High School of San Bernardino against um, Citrus Valley High School from Redlands playing in Long Beach. Uh, you know, so it was like, but what happened was obviously we tried to put schools somewhat where they could be. Uh, but the Milliken one, 
I mean, it just made sense. And even though we were bringing an Inland Empire team to Long Beach, uh, it made sense to do that. Uh, you know, we had Thousand Oaks, we had Royal High School, you know, we had teams from farther north that maybe could have been at, at Blair also, but they were playing different teams from uh, different locations. So, you know, we, we basically, I mean, it would have been one, two, three, four at Fullerton, five, six, seven at Long Beach. And we just went three, five, seven in Long Beach. And of course that included Milliken and we kept one, two, four and six uh, out at Fullerton. Well, so, well, thank you from the whole city. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just felt curious, you know, from Arlington just to, to know how, you know, they might feel about it. And, you know, they never said anything. I mean, they, they love the atmosphere and, and I, you know, the fact that it was there and yeah, there was a larger crowd. Both schools were given the exact same number of tickets. And, um, you know, the, the Arlington folks, it was a good game. It was well played. It, you know, I think they were, they, they had a great championship experience. So certainly they wanted to win, but their coach actually is a guy that I know. And, and uh, he, he's been on our baseball committee and he was like, you know, we're going to be back. And, and it was a great experience from their perspective. And, you know, as I mentioned, just looking up and seeing, um, you know, the city of Long Beach, just taking so much pride in the accomplishments and what Milliken was doing uh, and the close personal relationships with uh, the Milliken folks and, and some of the folks obviously that were in the stands too. Yeah, it was just, you know, with all we've been through, it was just a great way to cap it off. And uh, I was excited to, to be part of it. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that you were bummed out to play a baseball game at Blair Field. You know, it's like it's just a beautiful venue. And it's yeah. like, how can you how can you uh, work your brain to be upset about uh, taking in seven or nine innings there? Um, yeah. But anyway, it was a great atmosphere. Um, it was a great atmosphere. So, Rob, I'm kind of curious, you know, looking back, I mean, you kind of talked about it where, you know, you said sometimes this job, you know, some days it doesn't suck to have this job. But there were a lot of days before that where maybe it did suck. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we'll be honest here. But overall, I think what, what are some of the, the positives that you can take back looking back of this whole year? You know, because we we had those special moments, some we shared with you, you know, where you were handing out a, a CIF boys volleyball plaque on Wilson's campus. We yeah. never thought that that was gonna happen. Same thing happened for Long Beach Poly girls basketball winning on campus. Millican Tennis did the same thing. So what are some of those moments that stick out for you where you're like, this is a byproduct of a horrible year, but it was cool that we had this kind of moment. What are some of those things that you'll yeah. kind of latch onto as the positives from this year? Well, I think, you know, you've already described several of them. And, and the one thing that I, that kept kind of resonating with me is that this calendar for sports was released in July of 2020. And the feeling at that time was this is the only way we can get every sport played if we can do this. And, and we might lose some things on the way. I mean, we might be in a situation where the front end of seasons might be lost and we keep the back end intact and hopefully be able to do it. Well, season one, we saw that. I mean, we saw, unfortunately, we didn't get full seasons. We didn't get championships. But when we did get the opportunity to start some sports in season one, certainly football getting started was a huge thing too. Um, and then season two, I mean, pretty much went off without a hitch in terms of they had full seasons, they had full section championships, they had full experiences in, in most cases. Um, that was such a contrast, you know, from what we had had been going through for a long time. So I think, again, I, I'm, I'm flooded with memories and, and, and reflection, but mostly about staying the course and having the ability in, in our schools, you know, staying the course with us together so that what we hoped would potentially happen actually did get to happen in, in many ways. So that's uh, that has been really uh, something that has, has been on my mind a lot because there were some dark days. I mean, there were some days where I just 
I didn't know that I could see a way and a pathway, but I didn't want to give up hope and I didn't want our student athletes. And I think you, you know that the times that we talked throughout the year, you know, there was going to be a day to say, this is the day we have to give up. And we hadn't gotten there yet. And in all honesty, it was going to be about the middle of April. And I had committed to an April 12 announcement and I was going to meet that deadline. And, you know, it was just a few days before April 12, where we actually got the opportunity and, and the April 12 announcement was, okay, uh, you know, here's what we've got planned now between uh, this day and June 19. And it was funny today, just for a minute in our office, because our chief financial officer reminded me, he said, you know, I keep thinking back to what you closed your remarks that day, because people were still kind of wondering, how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do this? And I just said, don't believe me, just watch. And um, he reminded me of that. He said, you remember, you said, don't believe me, just watch. And uh, <laughs> actually, that's kind of how it played out. And it was nice to uh, to actually have some sports to watch instead of just uh, just writing bad news every day for another yeah. couple months straight. Um, I hear something I'm curious about, Rob. You mentioned, I, I think, for the high school administrators, for you guys, even for the California Department of Public Health to an extent, the thing that was so impossible that's really underrated in terms of the logistics of bringing this about was everyone had to plan a couple everything a couple months ahead of time when we were dealing with the virus where every couple months had brought these huge reversals of, oh, it looks like it's okay. Oh, it looks like we're going to be living in hell for a year. Oh, it looks like it's getting better. Now that you know, sitting here at the end of June, the way the course of the pandemic played out, what do you wish, you know, what would, if you had that foresight, what would you have done differently or what would you have gone to the Department of Public Health and said, hey, by blank time, it's, you know, this is going to be better. What, what do you think, um, if we had that perfect foresight, you would have done differently? Yeah, I'm not sure what would have been done differently. I, I think what we consistently tried to say to the Department of Public Health was give us the opportunity. We really believed that if we were just given the chance that the professional educators would handle this appropriately, we would do what we were told, we would follow the guidelines, we would have to deal with the hiccups as they would happen. And I think that's exactly how it played out. And we've learned a lot about it. I mean, if God forbid we started heading in another direction, we know how to test, we know how to deal with capacity limits, we know how to deal with various measures that might be necessary if unfortunately we actually did start to slide backward. Well, all that got uh, tested out, if you will, you got a chance to, to really see how things could be done. And so I would really hope that we would never fall back into a complete shutdown where we weren't able to you know, conduct our, our programs. Um, so the, the frustrating thing for all of us is we're planners, we're organizers, it's what we do. And to have all that done and have other people be the reasons why we can or can't start or what. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the reasons that we were not given the chance until we were given it. But I just that was the hardest thing is just give us the opportunity because I believe we would do it right. And I think we did do it right uh, when when we were given that chance. Um, you know, hopefully the Department of Public Health learned a lot. Hopefully they've learned. Yeah, we can trust this group. They'll, they'll follow the rules because as you all know, and we talked earlier, there were plenty of people who didn't follow the rules and plenty of people who went out and did things on their own and, and didn't follow along with what had been recommended by health professionals. And, uh, and, and we were sort of trying to do it right. And, and people were very upset and frustrated that we weren't being given a chance and others just didn't really 
worry about being right or not. They were going to do what they were going to do and, and let's see what happens. So it's been a, you know, it's funny you talked about Disneyland. It, it's been a roller coaster, uh, certainly that way, but I, I do feel so much better the way we ended than when we started. I, I want to reflect briefly on what you just said before I ask my next question, Rob, but I, I do like, no one's getting enough credit for the fact that everything worked out, right? Um, because it just so happened that the CDPH, the CIF, the Southern section, and the schools that bought in with what you were guys doing, you were right. The timing worked. You know, the vaccines hit and everything started to open up at the same scale that the schedule had been laid out. But that plan had been set a couple months ahead of time um, when, you know, I, you and I talked about this with some of the um, particularly some of the older residents of Long Beach. But when they saw the LBUSD had allowed kids to start doing outdoor conditioning in the fall, they were calling the city council. They were calling the mayor saying there's ch- there's kids out, you know, we can't do this, you know, shut it down. And it's wonderful that it worked out that there were no outbreaks, you know, other than a couple sort of isolated positive tests here and there. Um, The championships all went through. There was no, oh my gosh, we have to quarantine a whole school, like none of the worst case scenarios. And it's hard, it's hard even in June to remember that in March, there were a ton of people who thought those were inevitabilities if you were to try and pull off the, <laughs> you know, as many contests as happened seriously. Because for us, and I know for you, it was the same thing. We went from like, oh, there's a Long Beach State basketball game here and there to turn the fire hose on, <laughs> yeah. you know, and everything's coming back. So I, you know, before we move on, I did just want to pass our kudos on on that because I don't think you guys are getting, I don't think anyone's getting enough credit for that, you know, that it worked out. I appreciate that. And again, and again, I, I share, you know, any successes that were achieved with our schools because, uh, you know, our, our student athletes, I mean, to me, they're the heroes. I mean, they're the ones that stayed connected, stayed engaged, stayed involved, even not knowing what was going to be there for them. And, and I think about what my high school experiences would have been like without getting to play my junior year or senior year. And, and so for those students to stick with it, our coaches that obviously had the longest off seasons they've ever had and trying to keep, their students motivated and, and moving forward. Now our ADs with all the changes and things they had to do and the shuffling of facilities and, and then, you know, principals leading that charge. And, you know, the bottom line in all of it was we had talked about it when it first came and we said, we're going to get the chance, you know, we need to be cognizant that the students have had nothing but negative. That's all they've heard. That's all they've been experiencing. And the adults need to come through and deliver. And the, and the student athletes don't need to know how hard it is. Don't be talking about, oh, this is an impossible way to change the schedules and we can't make this happen at our facilities. They don't need to hear that. And I'm really proud of our schools because I didn't see it. I didn't see our ADs and coaches and people. I saw them the exact opposite. We're so glad we had the opportunity, so glad we were able to play. And, and they weren't accentuating you know, any of the other part of this that you're saying that people necessarily aren't getting the credit for, which was all the scheduling, all the different things that had to be done, our officials. You know, our yeah. officials we weren't getting in situations where games aren't played because we didn't have officials. Our officials were juggling everything and making it work and doing multiple sports. And, and I just think that everyone put student athletes first and said, if we do that, you know, we're going to do that as adults and come through and deliver. And I believe that we did. Um, but I think we all share in that in that idea that that the students came first. You know, it said a lot, but I, I just think, no, no, this was this was a really a great example of showing that the student athletes were first in everyone's minds. And we all rolled up our sleeves and said, let's make this happen for them. We promised them we would. 
We would do yeah. everything we could for I th them. I th and I th and you're, you're so right about all that. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, my, my next question was, we spoke when you had your press conference. I, the timeline's already gone for me, and I'm not trying to get it back. But it, it was one of the bad press conferences. One of the, we just don't know what's going to happen here. And I asked you a couple questions, and then we spoke in an interview afterwards about, um, I don't think the angry people know who to be angry at, Right that you guys were getting a lot of the brunt of this, let the, you know, let our kids play. We want our kids to play. And you're standing out there going, I also want your kids to play. I don't want to lay off a bunch of my friends. I don't, right. <laughs> I want to, I want to make this stuff happen. That's what we're in this business to do. And it felt like for me, a real tipping point, um, given that there were two things in play, there was the shape of the pandemic and there was the sort of political considerations of the California Department of Public Health, along with the things they were influenced by the shape of the pandemic. Um, one of the turning points to me seemed like with the let them play California movement, that when the parents of the whole state kind of understood, oh, it's not my school, it's not this CIF section that we compete in. It's not the CIF. There's the organization that's the CDPH that sort of has the light switch here for whether this stuff goes forward or not. It felt like them coming together and putting the pressure where it needed to go to enact change was a part of that movement, you know, was a part of that change. Did you feel that way? And as someone who's worked in sports on every level, is that a little bit inspiring to you, I guess, to see that kind of organization of parents go for something that doesn't have a commercial interest that's just for their kids, right? Right. And I think that we were very happy in terms of the same voice that we were trying to, to be heard was their voice, too. We were saying the same things. And that's why when they came forward and got organized and started to work from their point of view, I think it was helpful. It was helpful because we were trying to work through the California Department of Public Health, the governor's office from the CIF perspective, but then to have them also be involved in the same thing. And I, and I think the coaches association that was formed uh, of the football coaches, I think that was another group that really was helpful because we all had the same message. And so for those in power, so to speak, that had the right to, to give the opportunities to hear, yes, here's the high school sports organization, okay, but here's parents of kids and here's coaches that work with kids and here's all of them with the same message. And, uh, and the same message was, we will do this in a healthy and safe way. That's first and foremost. It's always first and foremost, even when we're not talking about a pandemic, our entire focus is on the health and safety of student athletes first. So it would be that way, even through a pandemic. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, I, I will tell you, you talk a little bit about some days, you know, there, there was an organized uh, let them, play that was going to be at our office. And, uh, and I was there. Uh, they don't know that I was there necessarily, <laughs> but I was there. And I, they all came when they finished and they laid signs down that they had made on our front doorstep. And there were, you know, let them play. And, you know, we, our students need this and just various handmade, you know, and I picked up every one of those signs and I brought them in our office and I put them in our back room and laid them out on the table. That, that was on January 29th. And those signs were in our office since then. Um, it just, you know, I, I respected them. I appreciated them. They were saying what we were saying. Um, and it, it was kind of a dark day, it rained. And it was like, I, you know, I was there and I, I, I was watching it from afar and, uh, 
But when they made the, before they all left, they had parked, a lot of it parked across the street. And then they actually went out to the corner of Los Alcatella. They, they did most of it over there, but they came back to get in their cars. And before they did, they laid their signs down in front of our office. And I picked every single one of them up and I brought them in and I put them in our back room on the table. And I think back to that day and I didn't know that there was a path, you know, at that, on that day, I didn't know there was a path and, and I, I, it resonated. Well, and, and credit to you for staying optimistic. You know, I mean, we, Mike mentioned some of those press conferences where we were in the chat seeing a bunch of football players saying, you know, we're not going to have a season. They're, they're lying to us. You know, this isn't going to happen. Just tell us it's canceled, all that stuff. But, but you guys stayed the course. And I think there were plenty of examples of, of either conferences at the college level or, you know, even uh, maybe CIF State that jump, jumped the gun a little bit in canceling all well, of look the, at the Northern California sections. Yeah, Northern I, California sections as well. Yeah, and I, was, I was completely honest. I, I wasn't, you know, just trying to paint a picture and say, oh, I was completely honest in my assessment of that. There was going to be a day that we would have to say we have to give up. The time has run out. And that day hadn't come. And I was honest about that. I said, yeah, I told you all back in July 2020, we may lose on the front end. We may have to not have section championships. What we did in season one, cancel the section championships to give more time. That's the only reason we had a football season. If we'd stayed with football and said, it ends on, on the day we had planned, March 12, I believe it was, the original plan, it would have been over. But we said, no, we're going to take the time we schedule for championships and allow football season to keep going in the hope that it would happen. And then it did to what we were able to, to get done. So I wasn't, you know, I always knew. And I said, we, the press conference you referred to was January 19th. And that's the day we had to announce that we couldn't have season one championships. And, and I said the same thing. When we get to season two, we hope we can start. We hope we can get, get the sports up and running. And there'll be a time somewhere, it might be in early April, it might be in mid-April, where there comes a time where we can't have viable league play. We haven't had enough that's been able to, to take place to have you know, section championships. And we would have done the same thing, released those dates and said, these are now available to schools to try to play any games they can play and do league games, have their senior nights, do the things they can do with the sports that were, you know, that are remaining. And it just happened to be that before we got to having to, to cancel that, we were able to implement the full calendar and go to work. So um, I wasn't, you know, I, that's how I saw it. And I didn't want the student athletes to give up hope. I didn't want anybody to, to think that, that we were done until the day came that we would have to say that we were. And thankfully that day didn't come, at least as it related to season two. Did you, did you have a kind of a debrief with other section commissioners after all this, or are you planning to just to kind of get your heads around this and say, if anything remotely like this happens again, what did we do well? What can we do better? Uh, what's the kind of the fallout as far as moving forward as a you know, governing body and trying to be a little more flexible for, you know, God forbid, something like this happening again? Well, the interesting thing that came out of this, uh, we had our last section commissioners meeting on June 8th. So, so we've finished the year in terms of our commissioner meetings. Our next one comes up in September. But uh, there were cases of sections doing different things. And a lot of the times, and over the years that I've been involved, uh, we've had great relationships. We still do. And we've tried to stick together. Uh, with the state office as well. We have a good relationship with the state office. And, and Ron Nichetti, the executive director, deserves a lot of credit uh, with his work with the California Department of Public Health and the governor's office. He, he was the guy that was continually uh, pressing our case and advocating on behalf of all of us. And, and he deserves a lot of credit. Ron has done a tremendous job leading all of us. Um, but we had sections that veered off and did different things. And uh, 
again, we're ones that stayed the course. We stayed the course in the South, which allowed regional championships to happen in the various sports. So we've had regional championships. And for those in the North that didn't have that opportunity because they had decided earlier than, than we had not to have championships, you know, th those would hopefully be some lessons learned uh, because again, what we were able to achieve here, uh, I would always want to have had that opportunity and we, we held on as long as we could, but, you know, I, I just want to emphasize again, I was completely honest in, in the assessment of what we still had in terms of time remaining. And then if there was a day, trust me, I would have been honest at that point. And I said, unfortunately, we've reached that point where we just can't do it. Um, you know, we're all of a sudden football season's less than two months away. Uh, <laughs> um, I know for us, it feels like it's kind of like, you know, you, you just made it out of one thing and all of a sudden it's like, okay, so we've got a month till the Olympics and, and, uh, you know, a little, little less than two months until football season. Um, how excited are you guys though, for what looks like a regular year? And um, is there any is there any concern about playing two football seasons in a you know six seven month span? I know that um, Mark Ziegenhagen, who we all know from Wilson and a couple other coaches, had expressed some concern about that to us, especially given how much time they spent uh, away from the weight room, obviously in the winter. Well, we consulted with health professionals in our sports medicine advisory committee on exactly that issue, is to say what would be you know, the ending of a season, because uh, some actually talked about May and June and, right. and the health professional said, if you're going to try to resume again in August, you really, April's about the end of your, of your time frame to give enough time for recovery. Remembering that we did have an abbreviated season. So the amount of time that it wasn't 12, 14 games for some of our longer standing teams that make it all the way to section finals or state even, you know, they played five games, they played six games, they played maybe a little bit less. So it was an abbreviated season. And the feeling is that we can go, you know, forward in August uh, if the coaches and, and the professionals that we trust, you know, handle it right, that the, that the students will be ready to go. It's funny. I got home after midnight on Saturday night. So it was actually June 20th. And I said to my wife, I will be at a football game two months from today. Uh, and how did she feel about that? <laughs> you have to duck? <laughs> no, she, she, she got it. it. I mean, she knows what we've all been through. And, and uh, I think she... She worked here some of the time, you know, she helps in the office and she was working in here through May and some days in June and, and she works at events too. So she, she gets the, she gets the system, but you know, exactly. Like I said, I said two months from today, I'll be at a football game and I'll be like looking forward to that. I'll be ready. I'm excited to see it. So, um, you know, I think just if we're able to go forward and, and the uncertainty and all the questions and all the, just not knowing, you know, as I said, we're all planners, we're all organizers. And to, to have a sense that we're going to have it set up and ready and we can stick to it and follow it. I think we're all excited to, to get into that, even if it is going to be a short summer. Uh, but we expect that. And the trade-off is having a short summer means we get a full school year. And I, I think we're all willing to take that trade. Well, we're, we're going to still try to squeeze every last drop of, <laughs> of rest and relaxation and fun out of that, out of that summer, as short as it may be. What, uh, are, are you looking forward to anything, doing anything this summer? Are you just going to sleep? Do you have activities, <laughs> vacations? <laughs> Give us something. Let us live vicariously a little bit, Rob. Well, you see, I, I'm still, I mean, I leave next Monday. The National Federation of High Schools has their annual summer meeting. That's in Orlando. So uh, it's going to be lovely in Orlando in late June. Um, I'll be there all next week. And then, um, 
our daughter, our youngest daughter is in Florida, in Sarasota, Florida right now living there. So we're going to actually, when the conference is over, we're going to go spend 4th of July weekend with our youngest daughter in Florida. Come home. We had, uh, my wife and I, our 25th anniversary was last summer. We had a, a trip to Hawaii all set up, a place that we love that was all ready to go. And of course, we didn't get that chance. So just about 10 days ago, we were looking to potentially get out of town at some point. She was talking about different places. I said, yeah, I wonder if, if the place in Hawaii might be available. And she got on it and there were two different units we could choose and we picked one of them. So we're going to head to Hawaii for about nine days in the middle of the month of July. And then, yeah, we'll be back and ready to go. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But still got some work to do. The National Federation meeting, as like I said, that's a whole nother week of next week that that will be going to, to be part of uh, the same school year kind of thing. And then we'll really officially wrap it up on July 2nd from that, that summer meeting. And then um, there'll be some time in July. Well, uh, glad to hear you're getting a little time. We're going to find some ways to get a little bit of time at some point. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but thanks so much for joining us, Rob. Uh, always, always great to see you. And uh, congratulations again on, uh, on moving the mountain over the last couple of months. Well, thanks again for having me. You know, I, I really appreciate you guys and uh, uh, just keep up the great work that you're doing and um, enjoy the time you get. And then we'll, uh, we'll be all back at it again, uh, ready to go for 21-22. All right. Our thanks to Rob for joining us. Uh, always great to catch up with him. Um, one of the few people, I think, who has the kind of global perspective over all this stuff that, that we kind of have to have as well. Um, normally, when we're talking, we're talking to a baseball parent, they're talking about baseball. We're talking to a football parent, they're talking about football. I always enjoy the conversations with people where they're seeing the whole weight of the operation of high school sports the same way that we are, you know, kind of top to bottom. And he's obviously the number one guy for those kinds of conversations. Yeah, he's the he's the biggest of big picture guys as far as overlapping with the stuff that we do. And uh, yeah, he sees sees a lot of it and knows a lot of the same characters. And he's on the list, to be sure, near the top of people that worked the hardest to make this year as special as it was. A hundred percent. So thanks to Rob. Thanks to Rob, both for the last couple of months, but also for joining us today. Um, really enjoyed getting to take it, start taking a look back. That means it's summer. The weather outside is great. Um, JJ, as we mentioned, is out enjoying the outdoors. Uh, I'm taking my kids to Disneyland tomorrow after we're done recording this. I know Tyler's looking forward to having some time off as well. We really sincerely, if you're a listener of this show, take some time off, <laughs> find some ways to rest and recover. Um, you know, it's going to be another crazy school year that'll be here before we all know it. Um, so make sure you recharge those batteries and, uh, we appreciate you listening to the show and supporting the 562.org. All right. That wraps up another episode of what up long beach. We'll be back, uh, next week with another episode, giving you all of the coverage of what's going on in long beach sports. Thanks again to all of our sponsors and supporters, including ocean law center, visit oceanlawcenter.com for more information on the services they provide. Be sure to tune in next week, like, and subscribe this podcast, and we will talk to you soon, Long Beach. Peace.